the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 The Answer presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information from the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. This is Jerry Feeney sitting in at the helm with the traveling Dottie Herman, who is still with us, but she is calling in from overseas this morning, so we're going to take the uh, the microphone away from her as we host the show today. Good morning, Dottie. You there? Right. Don't put masking tape on my mouth. You know, I just can't. I, I... <laughs> who would ever try to put masking tape on your mouth? They wouldn't have enough. <laughs> Where are you this morning, by the way? No, I'm from? leaving for London, uh-huh. but because I'm going to be in London, I I didn't I knew I couldn't do next week's show, so that I felt guilty about not doing some of today, uh, even though every, yeah. I, everyone has me covered and everyone loves listening to your shows. I don't have to be on, so I figured I would just call in and uh, just say a few words and then get you know me the last minute, and I still didn't pack it. You didn't pack. Well, I'm glad you called in. Are, now, are you going over for Liz's birthday? Because it's her birthday today. Is that where you're going? She's 91. The queen. No, well, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, um, Douglas Elliman has an affiliate that is, uh, works with us in Europe and um, Asia. And uh, they're nice, Frank, but they're, they're located, they're stationed, their main home headquarters are in London. Mm-hmm. So I went last year. And this is for what? And the I met all of the um, real estate owners from Berlin and from Asia and from, you know, all over the country. And um, it was very informative. Plus, we had a lot of fun. And this year, we're bringing, um, I think, our top 50 agents are coming since they all called me. And they're like, Daddy, stay in my hotel. Stay where <laughs> we're staying. And uh, so it's going to be very nice. And I look forward to it. I'm just not sure with this weather because I. Um, not sure, as you know, in New York, I'm not sure if it's winter still or yeah, no summer. Well, one day it's on. spring and one, then it's back to winter. So I'm not sure if London's like that. So I was trying to figure out kind yeah. of. My, uh, my poor flower bulbs, are they poked out of the, the ground and then it snowed on them and it kind of froze them. So they're just stuck in limbo. There's no flowers on them. But all will be well. Um Speaking of wealth, we have uh, Ace is on with us this morning. Ace is an executive vice president of Citizens, which is one of the oldest, most trusted banks in the Northeast. Good morning, Ace. Good morning, guys. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Excited uh, for this sunny weather. <clears throat> it's beautiful out this morning, actually. Ace and Citizens Bank have helped thousands of people get mortgages, uh, including uh, Dottie Herman. 
uh, renovate their homes or plan for their <laughs> retirement, education, family wealth management, and you name it. Uh, they're also a caring bank, and I can attest to that because I know a lot of their employees, and they really do care about uh, their clients. In 2016, Citizens Bank provided 89,000 hours of volunteer service. That's amazing. Wow. That's wonderful. They offer many types of loans, and Ace would be happy to answer any of your questions. Just give us a ring at 866-970-9622. Did you guys really do 89,000 hours of volunteer service? Yeah, that's that's actually one of our uh, mottos, Jerry. You know, giving back to the community and um, being a part of the community is, is really, you know, the sense of, um, sense of, I guess, just the uh, the type of service that you get. You know, mm-hmm. with every single client. So, that's great. That's really that really says a lot for who the people are there. So, um, later in the show, on the next hour, uh, by the way, we're going to have a guest, uh, Dottie. You're going to have to listen to this as you go into the airport. I think it's going to be very interesting. However, who do you uh, have? We have Maria <clears throat> Maria Lise Duvieux. Excuse my French. I don't uh, pronounce she. Her last name is hard for me to pronounce. Maria Lisa, I've known for years, is a fascinating individual for a whole host of reasons, but she's going to be talking about her experience with the African burial ground in downtown Manhattan. You might remember this. She was the curator. Wait, say there. that again, Jerry. I have a... The, the African know. burial ground in, in downtown Manhattan. You may remember that several years ago, they were building a government building there, and they came upon the remains of what turned out to be the old African burial ground in downtown Manhattan. And Marie Ulysse was the curator of that museum, which is still open today and is a fascinating step back into the history of New York City. And she's going to talk about what they found there and what the exhibits are down there and a little bit about, you know, what New York City was like back then, which I think is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, remember they came across this when they were building the building, and then the decision was, what were they going to do? Were they going to, you know, move the bodies? And they ended up making a museum out of the uh, lot, which was, I think, a good decision. That's, so, that, that's wonderful. When she's coming on, what time? She's coming on at 11 the next hour. Oh, great. Yeah. So if you have any questions about real estate or anything that has to do with real estate, as we always say, give us a ring at 866-970-9622. You can always email us at radioshow at com or go on Dottie's Facebook page and post something you know jerry i um this is not about real estate but i thought it was just really important um to acknowledge and just take a moment to uh, and i don't even think she'd want a moment of silence because i think that she'd want us to rejoice our life her life um but barbara bush and um she was uh, both husband she was uh, her husband and her son were president so she was kind of the first lady and i guess the second lady and i i read in the um papers and i i watched everything and she wrote this as her first sentence and she wrote i'm still old and still in love with the man i married 72 years ago um she wrote that in a note published this month uh, in Smith's College's alumni magazine, and um, I kind of thought that was special. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing yeah. story. I right? mean, I think that in a time where so many people are divorced, and so you know, and that she really 
found the man that she loved. I think she was one of the youngest uh, first ladies. I think that they met in college, and I think she went to Brown or something, maybe dropped out, and to marry her husband. And they had six children. I, You know, I really wasn't, or maybe I was aware and I forgot that they had a child that died. Yeah. yeah when, and uh, so they went through, and she really talked about family, and at the end of your, you know, and at the end of your life, you really would want to say, gee, I... I spent the time I needed to do with my children and my family and my good friends and my loved ones. And I think Jerry and Ace and all of us, we all kind of sometimes tend to, it's hard to balance everything, but she, you know, she did a great job. And I think when she was, uh, when Bush was president and she was the first lady, some people I remember making fun of her because she, you know, she was not as slim as some of the ladies and she kept her white hair Pearl necklace and her pearl necklaces, yeah. yeah. And I um, never forget we were kind of with Prudential, as I mean, I were part of Prudential's. Then I saw her speak, and she really said, you know, everyone might think that I'm just that little housewife in the back, but she certainly wasn't. I think she ruled the roost, to tell you the truth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. You know, nobody, nobody ever says in their deathbed, "I wish I spent more time at work." Uh, they say other things, and she yeah. really did. So I, I want to make sure to her, and then there's a female that I just want to say, like, I mean, that plane crash, well, when I watched it and I watched the fireman that helped try to save the woman, but I looked at the female pilot who I don't know how she flew that plane. Oh, my God. She and was calmer than, than you are when you're driving around uh, well, the Hamptons, Dottie. I, mean, that, I don't that, think you want me driving the plane in those circumstances. No, no. But that God, pilot was cool as a cucumber. Stability and a mind. And, 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 you know, when the window's blown away and somebody's... And then they had, they had these two uh, guys. They had the firemen that thought of nothing else but trying to save that woman. And, of course, he was very humble, and he said... Any other one of the firemen that I know would have done the same thing. And then they had these two guys, and they were millennials. And Ace, I thought it was so interesting because they were sitting uh, one, they were sitting two rows behind her on the opposite side, and they saw the, they heard the pop. This guy said he flies a lot. He knew something was wrong, and then all of a sudden the window blew out, and the woman's, and he goes to his iPad, or. And he puts, he gets his credit card. This is while the plane is going to crash. And he puts more time in. He's trying to put more time in because he ran out of, what is it, go-go? You have so much time to put in. Right. And he wants to put more time in so he can tell his wife, who's pregnant, his last words. Oh, really? And that's all he was thinking about. Wow, wow. It was just amazing how, and it was amazing that, you know, we only had one fatality, and I, I think hats off to that pilot and all the people that tried to make a difference and help was. Um, oh, I mean, when you hear could have been a lot worse. Let's put it that when, way. When you hear the recording of the pilot talking to yeah. Crown Control, I mean, I, we would have been hysterical, Dottie. She's oh please, calm. I couldn't, Jerry. I I sat there listening <laughs> to it, and I just couldn't imagine what those couple of minutes must have been like for people on that plane. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, pilots. But when, you know, when you heard Sully. some of them afterwards, mm. and the guy who's saying, I put my credit card number while the plane is crashed. He said, I saw a city. I thought it was Philadelphia. I wasn't sure if we were going to crash on the skyscrapers, 
if we were going to get to a runway, if we were going to crash on cars. But all I could think of my wife that was home and pregnant, and I wanted her to know how I felt because there's no way with what went on that anyone thought they were getting out of their life. Yeah. Well, that was that very was sweet. sweet Ace, what did you say? You sounded like Sully, that was it? No, I mean, the, you know, it's just listening to the pilot story. It sounded like Captain Sully when he landed yeah. on the East, East River. You know, he was so calm as well. I mean, these pilots, you can't train for situations like this, you know. So right. it's, just, right. it's just amazing. Right. By the way, is Stephen I, on? Steve, I haven't heard Stephen's voice. Yes, Maybe sure. Maybe I didn't introduce him. I'm sorry, Stephen Gaines, our, pro- our producer. No problem. I was fascinated listening. Hampton's aficionado and... General, thank you. Evolved. I was fascinated listening to the conversation. Anyway, really, really? by the oh. way, Dottie, it's seventy-five in London and clear, but it's going to be rainy tomorrow. It's going to be rainy and cold. But is the uh, weather going to be pretty good? No, it'll be uh, yeah, it's going to be seventies, uh, sixties, uh, mostly sixties uh, for the next week, and oh, then good. in London it always rains. Yeah, well, that I know. But it'll be fun. Uh, it'll be fun. By the way, uh, the. You know, Barbara Bush, you were talking about a minute ago, and I don't want to spend the whole show on it, but she was a fascinating woman. And her commencement address at Wellesley, remember, you know, the, the they protested her coming because a lot at of At Wellesley, the, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. A lot of the Wellesley students said, well, this is not, you know, this is a woman who's a housewife, and this is not necessarily what we want as our role model. And she came and said, listen, this is the whole point of the women's movement is that you have choice. And she was absolutely right that if you want to have a family and you want to stay home and take care of the kids, you can do that. If you want to go and have a career, you can do that. But then she had that great line at the end. She said, sitting in this office is the, you know, spouse of a future president. And uh, I wish him well. <laughs> and, I, and she got a roaring. Uh, oh, she wished uh, the applause. next woman well, right? And the man yeah, that sits she was, in her she was place. Making the, so she yeah. had a sense of humor. And she, she basically said, that she never looked at her children differently because one was president and one wasn't. Like, she loved them all the same. And she said that she, they're a close family, and that's really what she really pushed, like that they're all together and that family is family mm-hmm. and that they're all there for each other. And I, I you know, I had, had an uncle that died this week and um, was I'm a very sorry, close man. uncle to me. And I felt that, you know, I went to see him, like, Actually, he died two hours after I left, and he was fully, you know, he was, he was, you know, he had all his marbles there. He was, and he was just ready, and he had done what he'd done, and he said, I'm so lucky I had girls who, you know, I had three girls and a boy, and they really were there for me and my wife. And he was ready, and I think that she was also, she wasn't, she said, you know, she wasn't, uh, afraid it was time and she stopped treatments. I think that's yeah. probably what happened. But I really have a great respect for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't think when she was first lady that people really kind of felt the respect because I don't know if they looked at her life. They might have just looked at outside appearances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, no, absolutely. She had, a cutting, she had a cutting sense of humor. I remember somebody asked her, uh, you know, Jeb Bush, her son, whether she, you know, what she thought about the comments about him being boring. She's like, you think he's boring? You should try living with him. <laughs> Which I don't think Jeff appreciated, but I thought it was a great line. Um, so we do we do mourn her passing. She was a, an, an American icon. Whether you like the politics or not, uh, she was a wonderful uh, wonderful first lady. And our condolences to the Bush family. By the way, on this day in 1794, 
New York City formally declared the coast of Ellis Island publicly owned so they can build forts to protect New York City from the British. Today, you can visit Ellis Island and get a free ranger-guided tour that chronicles the island's history as 12 million immigrants, including my own, passed through its great hall. If you haven't been to the Ellis Island Museum, this is the museum show today, you have got to go. It is Jerry, I'm being honored there in two weeks. Are you really? Yes. I... Yeah, why don't you tell me these things? I'll go. I love Ellis Island. What are you being honored uh, for? What's I have honor? the Ellis Island Award. Oh. And everyone told me, and I, Donnie, you have to do it. You're going to leave Ellis Island feeling like su- such a special feeling that when you go there, you just feel, because this is obviously with all the immigrants. It's a wonderful, wonderful yeah. museum. Have so you I'm been there? I'm looking forward to it. Have, have you been there before? I actually circled it, you know, on one of those cruises. Oh, you, know, yeah. you know, those, those, yeah, those yeah, yeah. boats around New York City. Yeah, you have to go. Well, let me know about the. Uh, I will. I will. The ceremony, because I would love to see that. I, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a, let me know it's too, a, Dottie. I'll definitely, yeah. definitely attend. I would love, yeah. love you to be there. Yes. Also, on this date in 1956, uh, Elvis Presley's first hit record, "Heartbreak Hotel," became number one. Stephen, what was that like that day when it hit the charts? Tell us about it. Oh, uh, listen, I was middle-aged by that point, so I really didn't know what... <laughs> you know what? A lot, it, it, it was controversial because a lot of people didn't like Elvis Presley and his kind of music. And uh, so when it became number one, it was obvious that he was going to be a, a national sensation. You know, everybody had an opinion about him. Elvis the pelvis, they used to call Elvis, him, right? That's true. Because it was Jerry, can you sing a verse from that song? Uh, no, I'm not going to sing a verse from the song Ace, but if you aren't good, then Dottie and I will sing a duet, and then you'll really be sorry that you asked. Yeah, you will. Uh, and Stephen, <laughs> I, I want to tell you that I I just gave, and if you haven't read all of Stephen's books, but I just gave a brand oh, new wow. agent who came from a different state, um, The Sky is the Limit. That's a book that Stephen wrote on New York okay. City. And I said, read this book, and you'll know everything you have to know about New York City. Plus, it's a great read. Thank you. That's very it, nice. It is you. a great read. What are you working on these days, by the way? You got a new one in your works? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad I gave you that now intro. That you, now that you poked <laughs> that cavity. <laughs> Come on. Get, get on it. Write another book. <laughs> I'm going to write another book. I promise. And as I mentioned earlier, if you have your birthday today, you're sharing it with uh, Queen Elizabeth II, who is 91 today. She looks good, I got to admit. I mean, I'm sure they... She takes a little time in makeup before she goes out before the cameras. Dottie's flying over for a little intimate dinner of six people at <laughs> Buckingham Palace tonight, so you'll have to tell us how that oh, went. Of course. Um, <clears throat> we had an email, if we have time before the break, we had an email from a listener who emailed and said, can I take a bad credit partner off a loan when I'm applying for refinance? I mean, first of all, take Dottie's advice and don't marry bad credit partners, but if you're already stuck <laughs> with a bad credit partner... <laughs> Uh, I think you could do that. Ace, what, what do you think from a banker's perspective? Can you take the bad credit yeah. partner off when you refinance? How do you do that? You can, um, as long as originally um, they're, they're on the title as well and they're yes. on the mortgage, you can always refinance them, refinance them out. They would okay. have to sign paperwork, disclosure forms, but you can always refinance them out. Yeah. It's not get, a problem. Get, get them and off. The, and then does that yeah. make it smooth sailing? I mean, once you get them off, then if your credit's good, it would be no problem. Yeah, as long as you qualify with your own income. Um, you know, a lot of people do that. They'll first have a co-signer in the beginning to qualify once they get a better job or their yeah. income level is 
sustainable. That was Rosemary in the Bronx who had sent us that. Ace, I don't mean to cut you off, but we got the music coming. Yep. We got to take a little break here. This is I in Real Estate. You're listening to the only talk radio show on radio that talks about real estate and everything else. And we'll be back in just a moment. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. This is Jerry Feeney sitting at the microphone. Dottie Herman is online along with Ace Watana Supar and Stephen Gaines. We got the whole crew here this morning. Dottie is on her way over to London for a few days uh, and is with us for the first hour. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, an article that we saw in the uh, paper the other day about uh, Paris and Airbnb. It seems like Airbnb is constantly in disputes with cities all over the world. Certainly New York has had its fair share. Now Paris is battling them. And I just find this controversy very interesting as these disruptors like Airbnb and uh, Uber are coming into cities and sort of changing the way things have always been done. Uh, The city is suing Airbnb to remove tens of thousands of unregistered listings in the French capital, heralding what could be a costly showdown in one of the company's largest markets. Paris demanded Thursday that a French court force Airbnb to remove the listings that don't comply with a new law that requires Parisians renting out their residence on sites like Airbnb to display a registration number. The city asked the court to fine the home-sharing sites $1,200 a day. If they don't comply, I assume that's per listing, uh, which would be quite expensive for the homeowner, uh, fines that could total more than a million euros a month for Airbnb. The case escalates the pressure over the impact it has on local rental markets. Paris and other cities argue that the firm's short-term rentals make it more lucrative for property owners to cater to tourists than to rent out homes to long-term residents and have sought to limit them. This is an interesting take on the argument. This city is saying well, we're really trying to help the renters because it's not fair to regular renters, Parisians, who need to rent homes because they can't find homes to rent anymore because all the landlords are using Airbnb. When in reality, it's probably the hotel industry that's pushing all this. Dottie, what do you think about this? Who's going to win in this dispute between Airbnb and all these cities? Um, I think it's going to end up somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. I I don't think there's going to be like... I don't think someone wins. I think that you have to, for me, I personally wouldn't do an Airbnb. And I know a lot of people do, but I would just not be sure of what the house really was. And I, there's just a lot of uncertainties. me. But I think it's, you know, a way of the world. And I think that there's got to be a few more regulations on it. And I think they have to check out the people that own the houses better. And I think a lot of stuff on there is not available. So I think... You know, it's got a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at some point down the road, they'll regulate it. I don't think it's really regulated well, or they yeah. have the force to do it. So well, I, I'm not sure what Paris is doing other than trying to put serial numbers, and I guess that's a way of regulating it. I, but sort of like the Hamptons did. Well, they do that in the Hamptons, too, in both Southampton yeah. and East Hampton. In order to rent out your house, you have to register it with, you know, the town. And then they give you a number, and that number has to be shown. But the point is, is that's for long-term rentals. Mm-hmm. Now they're giving out uh, these numbers for short-term rentals. And I think 
what happens is, is if I lived in an apartment and the guy next door had different people from all around the world coming in and out who were visiting Paris and they were there for three days or four days or seven days, and my home was next door where maybe my children were or something like that, I wouldn't like the idea that the guy next door was using it as an Air, Airbnb. Yeah. I wouldn't like it either, to be honest. I, I wouldn't like either it. because it's, it's very transient and you really don't know what type of person's moving in. Right, right. I mean, you know, we're certainly familiar with the hotel condo concept, Dottie. You're very familiar with that. I yourself. am, but there, you know, there's but big pluses, but there is big negatives. <clears throat> yeah. And usually the floors are either long term residential or hotel, right? They don't generally mix hotel units. Well, they on don't the same generally floor. mix them, but if they do, because um, I'm in a place where it's mixed. So mm -hmm. there's not a separate elevator for the apartments that are condos. Um, so really the security is a little tougher because it's not like you get a doorman and they say, well, Dottie, Jerry Feeney's at the door, at, he's at the desk here, and you want to let him up. No, I'm here to tell and you they that. Have, but they have bars <laughs> they at the, you know, they have, you know, security at the elevators. Mm-hmm. And they do a, a, a pretty good job, but obviously they can't check everyone, especially when it's really busy. So, you know, um, it, it doesn't particularly scare me. I, I, maybe I'm used to it. But, mm -hmm. you know, it is, it, it, it is a concern. And if you – but at least there's a lot of security there. Right, right. I mean, in your house, you're not going to have security. No, that's true. Um by the way, producer, I can't see the screen, so if anybody calls, please whisper I'll, in my I'll ear. I'll let you so know. I have to, a screen oh, here. Oh, Steven's got it. Okay, great. Um, you know, I, I think Airbnb and, the, and these concepts are here to stay. I, I agree with Dottie. I, I think that, particularly for millennials, you know, which is a constant source of confusion for the rest of us as to what they like and don't like, but maybe Ace can speak to it. They seem to like this idea. Millennials like to go into different cities and rent apartments to stay instead of hotels and uh, and this is just the way of the future. You can't, you know, you can't fight the future. It's coming. It's it's approaching. Ace, have you ever done yeah, Airbnb? I, when you... Yeah, I, I think Airbnb is definitely here to stay. Um, it's the it's the common, uh, I guess, uh, the, it's it's the common source for for renting now, right, with millennials. But to Dottie's point, it needs to be regulated because you know if I'm an owner, and ne and the next door neighbor, you know, to Stephen to Stephen Gaines' comments earlier too. It, they're constantly having turnover with with different folks coming in. It's it's not a good um, it, it, that that sense of privacy and and safety. It's it's not there, and it's common in Manhattan. So you could have a, a very expensive apartment in the city, and your next door neighbor is doing Airbnb, and it, it's just not a good. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, there, there needs to be some some sort of vetting system with Airbnb as well. You know so. I agree. I think it I should agree. be like Uber. You should get a rating. You should get a rating, yeah. That's yeah, a, like you're idea. like a bad person, and you didn't take care of the apartment, and you were loud and noisy, and so therefore we're giving you a zero rating. You know, I'm always concerned with my Uber rating. By the way, my, my <laughs> Uber rating, I was like, Dottie, oh my God, is I, much better. I, I, than sent, used to be. I gave a friend, I took my account, and I gave my friend, you know, and I got her an Uber car, and I swear to God, I can't make this up, this happened. And she ended up never taking it. So she made it common that she didn't get in. She took a cab instead. She didn't feel like waiting. Mm -hmm. And the next time I needed a ride, here's what happened. I, I got a text. You know, it said five minutes away, four minutes away, right. three minutes away. And then it said, and by the way, we're not picking you up. 
like you did to us. <laughs> We're never coming together. <laughs> and, it's, and my rating went down. <clears throat> and I was like, Suzanne, I'm never letting you use my Uber account again. My rating yeah. is in the, in the tanks. <laughs> now no one will now, come Now, should I me. care about an Uber rating? I mean, it's absurd. Sure. They're very, yeah, they they're very up, convenient. Daddy. They don't pick you up if you have a bad rating. Now they Ma have tips, and I don't, like, you know, if there's a choice between, let's say, Ace tips and I didn't, and there's a choice of who they're going to pick up, they're definitely yeah. going with the person that gave the tips. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, it, it's now forcing me to have conversations with the Uber drivers and chat. Which is, yes, you have to be nice. Ever, I tell them, listen, I'll give you a good rating. Give me one, Okay. <laughs> So, oh, so you negotiate your yes. rating with the Uber driver? At the end I don't of the see. I don't think that should be allowed. This should be. There should be no discussion of the rating while you're in the Uber. Well, it is. I've had them. <laughs> okay. Well, I know I have to get up soon. I just just had to tell everybody because there's been so much controversy about the markets, and maybe Stephen next week you can talk a lot about the you know a little about the Hamptons markets, but. I just, um, and these are from Zillow, and I, I, I don't disagree with them. Um, I sometimes do and sometimes don't. But Zillow predicts that 2018 will shape up to be an even hotter real estate market than 2017. I hope they're right. And don't forget, you know, with the bad weather we had, it pushes the season off a little bit. It gets a later start. And, um, but the one segment of the housing market that's not expected to enjoy such an uberance is the high end. And so, you know, when we talk about the high end, just for everybody's knowledge, and we're talking about national numbers, the high end is the top 10% of whatever your market is. So in the city, it could be $20 million. Right. And the Hamptons, what would you say to Stephen? Let's see. Ab above... Uh... I, well, it's definitely above 10, it, definitely above 10, maybe 12. But uh, there's also a big uh, section of the market here which is between 5 and 10 million. So it, it, it's astonishing how expensive everything is. Who knows what the top of the market yeah, is? Yeah, and I, and I had just given some big sales that, that were out of further lane and, and things of that nature. But um, Zillow found that homes, um, sold faster than ever in 2017, largely due to the shrinking inventory. And um, if you look at all the predictions, inventory is supposed to be tight for a, a bit of time. I mean, it's not supposed to go away anytime soon. And that's pretty much across the country. Uh, so that's the constraint. People want to buy, but, you know, it's just not a lot of inventory. But the housing market, as far as itself, if the numbers seem lower, it's because there's not as much to sell. Yeah, not as much good inventory. Dottie, have a safe uh, I am, flight. Uh, I wish me a safe trip, and I'll text everyone from London. All right, Dottie, have a good time. All right, bye. Bye. Fun, bye. This is Ion Real Estate. It's Jerry Feeney sitting in for Dottie, and we'll be back in just a moment after a word from these messages. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. It's Jerry Finney sitting in for Dottie Herman, who is traveling. But I'm here with my colleagues, Ace, Watana Supharp, and Stephen Gaines. And we're talking real estate and everything else that has to do with real estate. 
If you have a question for us, give us a call at 866-970-9622. And don't forget, after the top of the hour, we're going to be having Maria Listavio come on, and she's going to talk about uh, her experience as the former curator of the African Burial Ground National Monument in Lower Manhattan. And uh, I can't wait for that because it's a fascinating story. And she's going to talk about, uh, you know, the history of New York City. And a lot of people don't realize uh, the component of slavery in New York City's background. And she's going to talk about that important monument. Stephen, when you rent your house out in the uh, Hamptons, do you have a provision in there that prevents people from filming pornographic movies? Inside your home, by the way, do you have one of those? <laughs> why should I? Why should I stop my tenants from doing what you know I would do? No, I, I don't have a provision for that. But uh, by the way, um, the, when I bought my house, it was owned by a, a man who owned a local bar, mm-hmm. and I know that it was a big party house. So um, somebody <laughs> came in and uh, cleaned the house uh, for me. I don't mean scrub the house. Somebody came in with incense and. Went into all four corners of each room, yes. But I would not, it would not stop me from buying a house if I knew that porn movies were made there. But I yeah. would not, go ahead, Jerry. You just yeah, no, I, would, I, mean, I, I rented a house in the Pines once, and, and a, a friend of uh, mine came by. We all know her, but I'm gonna, not going to mention her name on the air. She came by and said, You know, I've been in this house before. She said, I think I filmed a movie in her. She used to be a porno producer years ago. And apparently, the house that I was renting had been used for porn movies. But uh, this is a real thing, apparently. Lee Bassett's Martha's Vineyard home, which she built and designed herself with her father, apparently is in more than 20 different adult films. We don't know if Stormy Daniels was ever there, but, you know, that'll be interesting to find out. Bassett rented the property to a tenant, and he, in turn, the tenant, used the home as a film set for porn videos and photo shoots, according to the Post, the New York Post, that is. After learning about the shoots, Bassett tracked how her home appeared in the various films and saw that nearly every room <laughs> was featured. <laughs> well, you know, you want to have variety in your porno. Uh, it also became clear that they deliberately moved some of her more distinctive pieces of art from room to room in order to aesthetically enhance their porn scenes, according to a federal lawsuit she filed. Well, why not? I would, too. I mean, you do need some aesthetics in the background. It's not just all about the actors and actresses. Uh, houses with pornographic pasts apparently have a hard time finding another life. One Arizona couple discovered this after the $2.2 million sale of their home fell apart because the buyer learned that their porn business had been run out of the home. Um, I don't know that that would bother me. Ace, would you buy a home that was featured in many porn films? It, it probably wouldn't bother me, but it'd probably bother, you know, the wife, right? So yeah. she's probably not going to be too happy knowing that, um, you know, there was a there was a movie being shot um, in, at that at that property. So I think in particular she would be bothered if when they would interview the home for the first time on a showing, the husband said, "Yeah, I've seen this home before somewhere." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But is that uh, fair disclosure, Jerry? Is that disclosure? I don't think you, Do you would have, have to? to disclose that. It's not a latent defect, in my opinion. You know, I suppose, uh, I'm not sure that people watch porn for the purpose of looking at the homes in the background, so I'm not sure how recognizable the walls or the art would be in the background unless that became part of the story, but that's another show. Uh, you know, it, it is just interesting what... Uh, what people worry about. I think this is an interesting lawsuit, however, because, you know, as a lawyer, I would say, listen, you, you don't have any kind of a 
uh, trademark on the interior of your home. It's not your intellectual property, and therefore, I rented it. I rented it with furnishings. I am allowed to uh, occupy it. I'm allowed to film inside, and as long as I'm not uh, filming it and advertising it as your former home, as you have now announced to the world in your lawsuit, then I think I'm fine. The, the truth of the matter is she may have really shot herself in the foot because she's now made it an issue and she's put it out in the public. And now I don't, if she loses the lawsuit, there's nothing wrong. I don't think with the uh, film owners, the, uh, the owners of the adult films to start marketing this as this is Leah Bassett's Martha's Vineyard home because she's already made it a, a big uh, issue in a federal lawsuit filing. So, you know, this she is the uh, sit there. And, and look at all 20 films to mark down for the lawyer. Exactly. You know, which pieces See, of true. art were in which yep. forced to right. nobody would have no, Nobody would have known it had she not filed the lawsuit yeah. at all. Yeah. You know? so. And this is, by the way, is the Jerry. third time that uh, pornography has been in the national news this week. <laughs> it's a That's funny true. world that we live in. Jerry, uh, there's, a, ahead, there's a question for you. Uh, Tom uh -huh. is on the line for Brooklyn. Hi, Tom. Um, Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I my question is uh, a little something different. I I uh, got uh, access. You know, the New York City Independent Budget Office has done a fiscal brief to follow on uh, to the there's a law case going through the uh, system right now to reform the city's property tax system. <laughs> so they did a they ran the numbers on this thing to see what exactly would happen if. Uh, if anything, if the the, ten, uh, the uh, plaintiffs got their way, now what it is is that uh, renters are claiming that they pay extraordinary amounts in their rent because uh, the rental apartments, large rental apartments, are taxed at a greater rate than, uh, let's say, one, two, and three family homes and small apartment houses. And they uh, they came up with some extreme uh, situations that, uh, uh, for example, uh, if owners of the more than 700,000 tax class properties uh, in the city all paid taxes on the same share of their market value, then more than uh, 500,000 would receive tax cuts uh, of a, an amount of $1,100 per right. year. Let, let, me, let, me just, let me just interject here, Tom, for our listener, for our listeners, yeah. so that they can follow this. What what Tom is getting to is that the the system of taxation in New York City is in New York State is, to say the least, confusing. Um, the condominiums in units of four or more apartments in a building, most condos in the city of New York, are when they assess their property taxes are not assessed. The market value is not determined by what it would trade at in the market. Rather, it uses a formula based on the imputed rental value of that apartment, and then it analyzes the market value based on essentially what it would rent for. So what you have is situations where a million-dollar condo in a building situated next to a million-dollar condo in, an in a building with two units will have grossly disproportionate property taxes unrelated to each other. It's a silly system. It should have been fixed years ago. It has nothing to do with reality, and that's what they're talking about here. So your call is to, to say that, what, you're in favor of this? Well, I don't so, know what to do, but, uh, you know, it, what it is is that I've been noticing the case, but nobody's put numbers against it except to say that the renters 
are paying a lot more than they should be paying because the rental properties are taxed at a higher rate. Now, no, they did cite, mm-hmm. um, well, okay, you know, more discussion, better. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just trying to get my head around it because, as they were basically saying, the uh, property values that have uh, uh, gone up greatly have not captured the uh, or have not been resulting in higher taxes That's on true. those. So, uh, for example, they do cite Park Slope. You're familiar with it. Oh, yeah. I know. I used to if, live on 7th. If, if they were yeah. taxed according to their market value, the median price increase, 98% of the properties would get a higher tax bill. Yes, because and most the of the properties increase. in Park Slope are at buildings of, of four, four, fewer than four units. Right. And then, but the median, median increase would amount to more than $11,000 a year. Wow. So I think th- this report yeah. is going to wake some people up. <laughs> yeah. Now, they're not saying this is exactly what's going to happen. They said it could be could, the extremes yeah. of that. They're basically saying that rental properties uh, mm. are taxed five times as much as private homes. It, it, it is in uh, some cases. So they want to equate them. Yeah, it is some cases true. Which, Tom, thank, thank you for bringing that to our attention. I appreciate the call. But, you know, the, the taxation system is very complicated in New York City. At, the, at its base, I think, we ought to revert to a system of, of, of fairness. And most people would agree that if you have a million-dollar condo at a building with 30 units sitting next to a million-dollar condo in a building of three units, they ought to have roughly equivalent property taxes. But they don't always. They're sometimes disproportionately different. Um, and as a result of that, you get these crazy disparities in the system. Um, by the way, uh, this is a job that I read about this week that I think I would like to apply for. Uh, developers of luxury properties in China are hiring people to take their upscale apartment buildings for a test drive, uh, and they get paid $3,000 a month for living in there and journaling uh, their experience. I think I could do that job pretty well. You have to keep a daily journal of your experiences in the apartment, and then the developers study for potential improvements and how they can improve the apartments to reflect what the prospective buyers are noting in the journal. The testers make notes of everything from the layout to the quality of the environment to the service standards and even the neighbors. Um, Wow, that is interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. $3,000 a month to... You get paid 3000 to to stay at a luxury property. That's amazing. Steven, you're fading out in the background. Did you say something? I said uh, it's amazing to get paid $3,000. Absolutely. Yeah, I could do that. I could sit Absolutely. there. Absolutely. You'd have criticize. to move from month to month somewhere. Right, right. I can uh, see my critique. The cheap sheets did not yes. like the hand soap. Not, not a robust flush. Let's right. not forget to that. Neighbor has has barking dog. Oh, I I could critique all day. Uh, yeah, going out to dinner with me, by the way, is a joy. As, as a couple of people found out this week, as I con- consistently am able to find typographical errors on every menu I've ever read in the city of New York, and then I explain it to the waiter who looks at me as though I have two heads, not understanding why I'm talking about this. But I have yet to find a menu, particularly as they become more elaborate in their descriptions. You may have noticed that there's no longer chicken on a menu. They need to tell you how the chickens lived and what the chickens did (laughs) as they grew up and what their diet was like and 
who combed their feathers <laughs> and in what farm they were. Free range chicken. <laughs> a free range and where they free were educated. Range. And uh, as they tend to be more elaborate with the descriptions, uh, they tend to make more uh, grammatical and typographical errors. So another another fun fact about going to dinner with me. By the way, Bernie Madoff's former uh, beach house in, in the <clears throat> Montauk um, just sold. Um, or sorry, is coming on the market for $21 million if you want to pick that up. The current wow. owner is Steve Roth, the real estate magnet. He uh, bought it for nine point four in '09 at the bottom of the market. People like Steve Roth, smart real estate people, buy at the bottom of the market, not at the top. Um, and the proceeds, which was handled by the U.S. Marshal Service back then, went towards restitution. Uh, I also I actually represented the U.S. government in the sale of one of the Madoff properties in Manhattan. And uh, it is a very interesting situation. But uh, the money goes to the government, and then the government disperses that to the, um, to the victims. But that was when they sold it to Steve Roth. The Madoffs purchased the land for about a quarter of a million in the early 80s. And it's on the beach, and apparently it's closer to the ocean than neighboring properties. Uh, so they have better views. Have you seen this house, Stephen? Do you know what it is? I've only seen photos of the house. It's it's really gorgeous, but it's amazing to me that it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars in nineteen eighty, and then in two thousand nine, it was you know nine and a half million, and that money went towards the victims. Mm-hmm. Now it's twenty one million. It'll probably sell for like nineteen. But Jerry, oh. did you you went to the uh, Madoff apartment in Manhattan? Yes, the the brothers' apartment. Uh, which and I represented the government in the in the sale of that because, you know, the U.S. Attorney's Office doesn't they don't know how to do real estate closing so they hired me to represent the government. But yes, I I went to the apartment and saw it and I was there with U.S. Marshals and uh, it was a very interesting experience. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, home's not that big though, three thousand square feet. So it's really the property you're buying, right? Right. It's right on the ocean in Montauk. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Is it a teardown? You gonna, is somebody gonna tear that <laughs> no, down? No, it's not or? because it, uh, uh, Steve Roth uh, did, and his wife is a Broadway producer, by the way. Uh, oh. Dara Roth has done some great shows, and uh, they have enough money to. They just redid it top to bottom. The photographs that I saw, you know, are, are really gorgeous. But again, Dottie was talking about the top of the market, the luxury sector of the market. Things for twenty-one million dollars now just aren't moving, and there's a hmm. lot of property in the Hamptons in that range. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm always amazed at how these rich people spend all this time and money redoing the house. They make it perfect, and then they sell it and do it all over again. Happens a like lot. Like Ellen DeGeneres, she got you know must have right. gone through twenty houses. <laughs> I guess they like it. Anyway, the music is coming up. We're going to take a break at the top of the hour for the news, and coming up after the news, uh, stay tuned. Maria Lise Deview, and forgive my French pronunciation; it's very weak. But she's going to talk about the African Burial Ground National Monument. In Lower Manhattan, it's going to be a fascinating hour. More to come on I on Real Estate, and we'll be right back after the news. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.